This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell, and joining me today are the Toledo Symphony's music director, Elaine Trudell. We also have the president and CEO of the Toledo Symphony, Zach Vassar, here. And we have two very special first-time guests, and I've got a little fanfare to bring you guys in. Please, please welcome our special guest, Scott Potter, who is a trumpeter and the president of the TJO, the Toledo Jazz Orchestra. Also, Scott Lavender, who is the uh, conductor of the concert we're going to be talking about. Welcome to both of you gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. you very much. We're glad to be here. So the concert that we're going to talk about today is with Toledo Jazz Orchestra. It's happening Saturday. That's December 17th at 8 o'clock p.m., Scott Lavender is conducting. Kim Bueller is coming on and singing. It's called A Swinging Christmas Happening at the Paris Style. You can find more information at the uh, Toledo Symphony website at toledosymphony.com or call up the box office number. That is 419-246-8000. So let's talk about uh, some of the stuff that's happening on this concert because you're both, uh, well, you're both performing. Scott Potter, you're playing the trumpet. And Scott Lavender, you're at the podium. Oh, boy, I'm going to get really mixed up with these Scots here, I just have to say. So <laughs> don't hold it against me if I if I reverse somehow. <laughs> Scott Lavender, tell us your uh, story. I'm going to do two different stories, uh, one for you, Scott 1, and one for you, Scott 2. And I'll play some background music for you, and you tell us a little bit, kind of a getting-to-know-you session. Um, I'll give you a choice, though, Scott Lavender. You want jazzy Christmas, or do you want jazzy jingle bells in the background? Boy, that's a that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> they both sound so good. We never yeah. told you Symphony Lab would be easy. No, yeah. let's try the jazzy Christmas because I've I've had my fill of jazzy jingle bells. Okay, Whoa. so there's your background music. That's now you peppy. have to tell us your story, a peppy story. A peppy story. Okay, so I grew up in uh, Finley, Ohio, and uh, went to Bowling Green, where I majored in music, went down to North Texas for graduate studies, ended up going on the road, and over the course of the next 40-some-odd years, lived in Dallas, Las Vegas, and Los Angeles, where my wife and I raised our two kids. And then came to our senses in 2011 and came back to Northwestern Ohio. Nice. I like that. Um, how did you get interested in conducting? Were you a, an instrumentalist of any sort before that? I was. I, I have a piano performance degree, which I got from Bowling Green, and played trombone and uh, a cello in high school. Oh, wow. Multi-instrumentalist. Uh, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Some people would probably uh, disagree with that. How did you get the, uh, the conducting bug? Um, I enjoyed it in in college where I had a year of it and um, enjoyed it. And then because of the people that I ended up going on the road with, I had the opportunity to be the leader of varying sizes of, of groups. Started out with a seven or eight piece lounge group, graduated to a 12 to 15 piece big band. And then by the time I got the a job working with a woman who was opening for Frank Sinatra. It was a 40-piece orchestra. Wow. So that I had to actually step up on a on a podium and 
and do some actual conducting. Although it's nothing like what Elaine does. I mean, I'm <laughs> mostly engaged in starting and stopping the group. You know, occasionally yeah. trying to weed out mistakes and stuff. You could have just two signs, you know, that you hold up in each <laughs> hand. One says start, and the other says stop. <laughs> right. Much. And then you and then you figure out how to raise the applause sign for the uh, the audience if they yeah. so choose. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give them a choice. Of course they're going to applaud. Of course they are. Um, speaking of applause, Yay! let me give you a little applause for that Thank story. You. Now, that leaves you, Scott Potter, with the uh, other music. So whether you like jazzy jingle bells or not, I'm going to give it to you. It goes like this. Okay, Scott, let's yes. hear from you. Scott Potter, Scott 2, or well, Scott 1. My story is nothing compared to what Scott number 1 was. Uh, I'm from Toledo. I'm still here. I uh, have a <laughs> degree in music from Bowling Green. I've been playing trumpet a long time. And I think my skills uh, certainly lie more in the uh, organization and business end of things. My wife and I own a very successful transportation business in Toledo. We've had it for 25 years. And uh, it's afforded me a chance to... Uh, leave the office at 2 o'clock every day and practice and keep my chops up. Um, I'm sort of running the organization right now, and uh, one of the reasons that I approached SAC a few years ago and said, I need help, so we've uh, merged with TAPA at least. Uh, this is our first year of dating, and it's, uh, so far it's really, it's really been great. But, um, yeah, I don't have any uh, exceptional musical talent other than I would say I would forge ahead even knowing I have no musical talent. <laughs> but tell me a little bit about how you got started on the trumpet. Why is that your instrument of choice? Because my father wanted me to play trombone. Uh-huh. That's the truth. That's Here, the truth. I have... I have uh... <laughs> no, sadly, it, it is true. He was a trombonist, and uh, me being the only son of five kids and being... Uh, you know, recalcitrant. Uh, I picked the trumpet, yeah. but I, but I've enjoyed it. It's been a long time. I and I still practice a lot. And I will say that uh, I get better each year um, at something. You know what I mean? I, I, it's what drives me to keep going. And I've yeah. learned um, so much from the discipline of practicing. It's it's a it really is a gift that most people, other than say musicians, serious musicians, and say gymnasts and people who've put that much time and effort and are willing to uh, accept frustration and defeat and, and still keep going, it makes business child's play in a lot of ways. Yay! You know, I just realized sitting here, we're all sort of jazz fans of different levels. I used to play jazz sax in, in high school. And Elaine, you have a long pedigree of, oh. of being involved in jazz. And Zach, I know that you like jazz. It's true. Yes, all that old school stuff is uh, right up your alley. I wonder uh, which one of you, Scots, want to talk a little bit about history of the Toledo Jazz Orchestra. It, everybody's pointing to uh, Mr. Mr. Potter. So uh, let's hear again from you, and okay. you can tell us a little bit of the Toledo Jazz Orchestra story. Well, it's uh, 41, 42 years old, depending on uh, how you want to count your years. Uh, Randy Ritchie, a pianist and attorney who just recently returned to Toledo, uh, got together with some guys and wrote some bylaws, and it was called the Toledo Jazz Society back then. And uh, it was the purpose of it was to support a big band. 
And I don't know the years, but somewhere along the line, I got involved as executive director. It was a part-time thing. And um, then ended up playing a few years later. At one point, the Jazz Society's vision of the organization and the Jazz Orchestra's vision of the organization sort of diverted. And we disbanded the group. And a year or so, year or so later, I approached Mark Lemley, who I've known my entire life, and said, hey, why don't we put the band back together? <laughs> and nice. so uh, we, we did. We got a, we got a board and uh, wrote, you know, became a, our own freestanding 501c3. We wanted to get a, a director that had uh, not only good music acumen, but business acumen as well. And we got Ron Kischek from Detroit, a very fine trombone player. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was... Uh, did a great job. We, I think he was with us 10 or 11 years and um, had some great guest artists. Peter Erskine played a couple times with us. We had uh, Jeff Hamilton, and, you know, a lot, of, a lot of good music, a lot of challenging music. And then, of course, COVID hit and things yeah. came to a screeching halt. And uh, we reorganized. And again, Zach and I must have been, what, three or four years ago that we first talked? Yeah, it, and, was, it was definitely pre-COVID. So yeah. let's say 2019. Yeah, maybe a, even a year before that we first talked. I think yeah. I called you, right? Because I, I you did. We, yeah, I remember going down to Keith's office and asking, "Who's this Scott Potter guy?" Yeah. <laughs> and Keith said, "Don't, don't, don't bother. Yeah. Don't, return, <laughs> don't, don't return his calls." <laughs> oh well. No. So anyway, we um, we reorganized, and uh, I've often held a long uh, standing thought that there are a lot of people in Toledo that have never heard the orchestra, who like music, who like attending live performances, and just this past. I guess it was a week ago, Monday now, a gal came up to me at, I uh, was at the Downtown Coaches Association uh, meeting, at, uh, luncheon at UT, where my company supports their, does a lot of work with their athletic department. And a woman came up to me, who used to work for the symphony, and said, did you just play at the at Lourdes College and last week? He says, I came to the concert. And I said, I think I know that guy. And she didn't, she's, she didn't say whether she liked the concert, but she did say she's coming to the next one. Yeah. So I'm assuming she it was unlike anything I've ever heard. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so yeah. so I think it's I think it's true, and our ticket sales are, are are good for this next concert, higher than than I think we've ever had. And I think that the yeah. final attendance is going to be our our record, except for the time we played a free concert with the Army Blues Band at. Uh, the peristyle. It's free. Free sells very well in Toledo, I found. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Well, I do want to mention that uh, you can also go online to toledojazz.org.org and find tickets there as well mm-hmm. as the uh, toledosymphony.com website. The concert is happening uh, Saturday. It's December 17th, 8 o'clock p.m. at the peristyle. Toledo Jazz Orchestra, Scott Lavender conducting Scott Potter will be playing along, and Kim Bueller is going to provide vocalism for the evening. Now, the title of this concert is A Swingin' Christmas. So which one of you wants to talk about swinging, and which one of you wants to talk about Christmas? Scott, Scott Lavender's the swinger. <laughs> okay. All right, Scott. I'm going to ask you to get in on your mic there. I am in on okay. my mic. Okay, and and tell us a little bit about what we can expect. Say can ex- somebody's going for the first time, right? Going for the first time. Well, you can expect a big band. Big band music, you can expect a lot of great technical, mm, what's the word? Prowess, <laughs> I guess so, prowess. And prowess, yes. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to hear some, <laughs> you're going to hear some really amazing playing, uh, some really amazing arrangements by arrangers and composers like Gordon Goodwin, 
um, Mike tomorrow. Yeah. I arranged a couple of the things, so you're going to have to indulge me for those. And, and his trumpet parts are too high. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take it outside, guys. <laughs> well, this is Buddy Rich. <laughs> yeah. Take it outside. Yeah, that's right. Elaine is like a walking encyclopedia of jazz. So I, you know, I just when he says something, I just take it at face value. I would absolutely. I would. Scott uh, Lavender, what what is your history with the Leader Jazz Orchestra? When did you start uh, conducting them and working with them? I, w- I think I've played a couple of concerts with you guys over the last 10 years, but it's very limited. Um, I, this is just a matter of getting having moved back in 2011 and, and getting re-familiarized with some of the guys, Mark Limley, he mentioned, and, 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 and Scott Potter being in the position that he's in have afforded me the opportunity to uh, come in and play the piano for a couple of concerts. And then they kindly started asking me to do some stuff, uh, conducting and directing the group in 21 or in 20. I can't remember. Yeah. That's in the amorphous pandemic period. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in the last 15 years, (laughs) the last 15 (laughs) two years. Yeah. That narrows it down. Well, there's uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. But I do have a quiz, and uh, the quiz is called Great The Great Scott Quiz. <laughs> Great Scott's in history. So this is all about the, the phrase Great Scott, right? Did you recognize that Great Scott that we just heard? That was uh, Doc Brown in uh, uh, Back, to, Back the to the Future. Future. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. says Great Scott quite a bit, so and that'll play into our quiz a little bit. But let me pull up some uh, Great Scott quiz music. It's actually a different Great Scott. Oh, Scott yeah. Joplin. Scott Joplin. Exactly. Okay. I don't think Scott was his actual first name, though. I'm pretty sure. Okay, pretty well, sure we'll just true. find some other music then. <laughs> that's all right. You know, yeah. that's what we do here at Symphony Lab. We we say everything is, you know, absolutely true. Anyway. Does this mean I should doubt your accuracy on the quiz answers? Uh-oh. Yeah. No, the quiz answers, I always verify, like I find something and I think it's interesting. Yeah. And then I verify with at least two other uh, independent sources. I right? see. I see. So there is fact checking that goes on. It's just sometimes the facts are too good to be true, right? Are you one of those sources? <laughs> yes. I verify. I'm gonna, I got a stamp back in the office and I just stamp off on it. First question of the quiz is, who was the inspiration behind the phrase Great Scott? Is it, this is multiple choice, is it Sir Walter Scott? Is it F. Scott Fitzgerald? Or was it Winfield Scott, who was a famous general back during the Civil War? And now, and we don't answer these until the very end. We'll go back and see how we did. So if you need uh, writing utensils, you should have it there. You should have a little pad of paper that you can write on. All right, second question. We've gotten to the second question already. Uh, which of the following objects is informally known as Great Scott? Is it a moon rock? Is it a savory dessert? Or is it a sequoia tree? A, B, or C? There, there's a famous one of one of those categories that is known as Great Scott. Okay, what writer used the exclamation Great Scott over and over again in a famous time travel novel? 
Was it H.G. Wells? Was it Mark Twain? Or was it Jules Verne? Next question. What fictional character used the catchphrase Great Scott? Was it Perry White? Was it Scotty in Star Trek? Or was it Brad Majors in the Rocky Horror Picture Show? A, B, or C? Next one. How many times in total did Dr. Emmett Brown say Great Scott in the trilogy of Back to the Future films? That's all of the all of the films. Was it 10? Was it 15? Or was it 20 times? And that's kind of a, you know, just make your best guess. A, B, or C. These are all just make your best guess. <laughs> <laughs> Last question here. The exclamation Great Scott is an example of what? Is it an euphemistic oath? Is it a minced oath? Or is it a decisory oath? A, B, or C. Okay, I do have a bonus question, but we have to wait until after we answer these first. So let's go back and give the answers for these. Who was the inspiration behind the phrase Great Scott? How many people said Sir Walter Scott? Raise your hand. Okay, that's Elaine and Zach. Uh, How many people said F. Scott Fitzgerald? Any takers? How many people said Winfield Scott? The two Scots say Winfield Scott. It's kind of a toss-up because nobody really knows for sure. <laughs> it, it was Sir Walter Scott was mentioned as the great Scott in a poem in, in the early 19th century. Uh, Winfield Scott was also referred to as great Scott by his troops. We didn't read about it until later, but they were talking about what people did back in the day, right? So it's a toss-up between Walter Scott and Winfield Scott. So everybody wins, Yay! right? All right, where's my trophy? Everybody <laughs> wins. Well, we still have some questions to go before we get there. All Very right. millennial. But I'm, I'm, I'm participating. Yeah. <laughs> you are indeed. You are indeed. Which of the following objects is informally known as Great Scott? How many people said it was a moon rock? Nobody said that. How many people said it was a savory dessert? Nobody? How many went for the sequoia tree? The answer is a moon rock. <laughs> it was. It's actually a moon rock that's called Great Scott. It was gathered mm. in 1971 during Apollo 15. It's also known as Lunar Sample 15555. Ah. That's, that's the way I've done it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, you have to use a scientific name. Yeah, now it all makes sense. Okay. What writer used the exclamation Great Scott over and over again in a famous time travel novel? How many people said H.G. Wells? Okay, well, one of the Scots and one of the Zacks said H.G. Wells. I guess there's only one Zach, sorry. It's okay, I'll take it. <laughs> and uh, how many people said Mark Twain? Nobody said Mark Twain. How many people said Jules Verne? Well, the other Scott is raising their you hand. Didn't see anything? Oh. Oh. Elaine recused himself from that question. <laughs> uh, the answer is Mark Twain, actually. So everybody <laughs> lost on that one. Yeah. And Except Elaine. He did not. He did not technically oh, lose. I took the fifth. Yeah. <laughs> you said you have a fifth? Can I have it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was from the novel A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. The lead oh, character course. always says Great Scott. Uh, by the way, here's a little bonus question. What was the real name of the Yankee in Mark Twain's novel? He doesn't say it at first. He just calls him the Yankee. And then later it eventually Mickey, comes Mickey up. Mickey Mantle. That's pretty close. Was it Hank Morgan? Was it Mike Morgan? Or was it Scott Morgan? A, B, or C? Hank. And Yeah, the answer is Hank. Okay, we'll give you that one. Yay! 
And we didn't save that one for the end, so that's okay. He's a genius. <laughs> Lavender right. takes the he's, lead. He's just sitting at Merwin's place. That's yeah. right. Oh, right. Something about that chair. You're sitting in front of Merwin's microphone. It's rubbing off on yeah. you because Merwin always wins the quiz, right? <laughs> that, that's the meme anyway, that he wins the quiz. Okay, what fictional character used the catchphrase, Great Scott? Was it Perry White? How many people said Perry White? Uh, Scott Lavender and Elaine Trudeau. Mm-hmm. Both the conductors are in Perry White's corner. <laughs> How many people said Scotty in Star Trek? Anybody go for Scotty? Zach went for Scotty. <laughs> Anybody say Brad Majors in the Rocky Horror Picture Show? That goes to Scott Potter. Scott Potter is correct. Yeah, Perry White said Great Caesar's Ghost. That was his catchphrase. Of course he did. And Scotty never said anything like that. In fact, the whole wasn't the, he a doctor, not a scientist, or no, scientist, not a doctor. That, that's Bones. Ah, yeah. uh, I haven't. Uh, that's Leonard McCoy. <clears throat> I can tell you're not a Star Trek fan, right? I really like the one with Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> the episode with Han Solo. <laughs> the episode with Han um, Solo. <laughs> and they never said "beam me up, Scotty." That just like that never appeared in the original series. That that phrase. He also oh. said. He, he also never said, "Luke, I am your father." Yeah, exactly. So. See, there; those two series are closely related, right? <laughs> Not really. Anyway, <laughs> they take place in space. <laughs> have, have you ever been to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, like when they showed they it in the theaters? And, oh yeah. yeah. So, do you know what they threw every time that Brad Major says "Great Scott"? Tissue? Something to do with Scott? Yeah, wow. toilet paper. Toilet paper was for that. Scott toilet paper. <laughs> that's what they <laughs> threw. <laughs> How many times in total did Dr. Emmett Brown say Great Scott in the trilogy of Back to the Future films? How many people said 10? How many people said 15? Okay, the conductors again. You guys are are making up a team here. How many said 20? Zach and Scott Potter. Well, the answer is 15. The answer, did anybody say 15? Oh, yeah, the conductors said 15. Good guys. Excellent. The good guys. The right? good guys. You guys are sitting in the wrong spot. I need to put you two together. Hello. Okay. The exclamation, Great Scott, it is, is an example of what kind of oath? Is it a euphemistic oath? How many people said euphemistic oath? Elaine went for that. You fell for my uh, made-up oath. <laughs> yep. Was it the minced oath? Uh, anybody go for the minced oath? I did. Anybody? You you did? Okay. Yeah. Scott Lavender. admit it. That's okay. And a decisory oath. And did the rest of you go for, okay. The non-conductors went for the decisory oath. I didn't make that up, but it is a legal term, actually, and it does not apply to this. Uh, Euphemistic oath, we already established that I made that one up. Uh, So that leaves a minced oath. Who voted for minced oath? Mr. Lavender. Yeah. In the lead. Very well done. You know what a minced oath is? It's like... A, a minced oath is when you say something in place of a swear word or a dirty word. Oh, when you say, like, dang or darn it, you know, those are examples. Jumping Jehoshaphat, right? What, what's the longest minced uh, swear word that, or oath that you've heard? I can't say it on the air. You're, you Jumping can Jehoshaphat say it if it's, if it's a minced oath. oath. Yeah, oh. that might be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the longest? Hmm. Well, or the, the most um, frequent, I guess, minced oath. In your life that you use. Well, that I jumping, use. I jumping use Jehoshaphat. Jumping yeah. Jehoshaphat. Dad yeah. Gummit. That's a good one. Dad Gummit. Yeah. Dag Nabbit. Dag Nabbit. What uh, about you, Elaine? Are, are there, in French, are there minced oaths? 
Oh, <laughs> they just go straight for the jugular <laughs> yeah. and say the, the dirty yeah, word out, right? Little, yeah. Yeah, a little bit more how direct. About, how about shut the front door? <laughs> shut the front door. My sister it, says that all the time. Yeah. 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 And what, yeah. what my daughter was saying, uh, sweet cheese and crackers. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you what my daughter says? It's yeah. along the same lines. My uh, four-year-old will come around and if something surprises or disappoints her, she'll say, oh, biscuits. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I had a teacher it's who adorable. used to say uh, sugar all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, sh- and we kept waiting, you know, for the rest of <laughs> that time. word. But it was time. always a minced oath. Are you sure she wasn't just calling you sugar? <laughs> it may be. So who won the quiz? I wasn't keeping track. Was Merwin. The, uh, yeah. Merwin, the conductor. <laughs> Scott, you're sitting <laughs> in the winner's chair, so you win. All right. Yay. And what tell did, him, Brad, what, what did he win? Yeah. <laughs> what did I win? You want an invitation back one of these days. <laughs> yes, you're allowed back in the building. So in a lot of ways, See, you guys even, lost. Even winners yeah. lose, yeah. Even, <laughs> even more than I won. Okay. Well, the concert is uh, happening at the Peristyle. It's Saturday evening at 8 o'clock p.m. Toledo Jazz Orchestra presents a swinging Christmas. Scott Lavender is conducting. Scott Potter is playing in the orchestra. And we also have Kim Bueller providing vocals. Who wants to talk about Kim Bueller? Because that's that's quite a, a coup that she's singing with you guys. I mean, she's a great singer, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, well, I'll, I'll say a little something. Um, well, uh, actually, in my uh, first concert, official concert with the Toledo Jazz Orchestra, which was in the fall, uh, and we had Kim as a guest, and uh, she has a long uh, long relationship with, with you guys. And um, we we had some fabulous singers. Ramona was there also. So Kim and Ramona were there. Yeah. Totally stole the show. They were fantastic. We're doing the Great American Songbook, which we'll be doing many versions of it in the in the future as well. And I think that uh, when we have you know people in town that are of that level, uh, and also I mean they're they're very easy to work with. Uh, both of them were. So it's uh, we invite them again to to whatever activities we can invite them. So this time we're inviting Kim again. And um, I, I was very, I was, I was, I was surprised. That then I, I always knew that they were good because, of course, Scott told me that that they were good. So I knew that that, <laughs> yeah. that I was a, in business. We then. have two Scots here, so you <clears throat> yeah. have to say Scott Potter oh, or Mister Potter. Well, the Scots in general. He prefers Mister Potter. <laughs> yeah. All the Scots, yeah. All very British, but uh, <laughs> we. Um, now that this performance was was amazing, so I I do understand why, and they they have her again and again, yeah. and also there's some kind of an, an affinity, and you know sometimes it's like in classical music, you have singers that are great, that are easy to work with, and she's one of those. Those are two different things, right? <laughs> well, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it doesn't happen all the time. When you when you find some, then you keep hiring them because they're amazing. Yeah, you know he's yeah. he's right about that. I've Kim and I've been working together for twenty five, thirty years, and we've mm-hmm. done a bunch of gigs where you show up and the the circumstances are not what you mm-hmm. thought they'd be. And she's just a, a trooper, never complains, mm-hmm. just makes the best of the situation no matter what. Always prepared. She's just great to work with. Scott Lavender, are you you've worked with Kim before, or have I have. You? Yeah, she's a pleasure. Yeah. yeah, like Scott said, just a a fantastic singer. Um, Always prepared, and what a what a great attitude! And yeah. singer and attitude don't always go <laughs> don't the right always way mix. together. Yeah, but <laughs> with Kim, absolutely fantastic! Can't wait. 
So it's a swinging Christmas. It is. Is the concert. We're going to hear a lot of Christmas music, I assume. Uh, no, not really. We, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. We decided to surprise everyone. It's all Valentine's. Not one Christmas song. <laughs> one, one Christmas song. Not one. It better not be by Paul McCartney or <laughs> no. Mariah Carey. Not doing that one. But, one or the other. But isn't yeah. that the great thing about this time of year is that we pull out these records or records or CDs or stream things. You're, whatever you're dating you're doing. yourself. Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, there's, there's stuff that we listen to this time of year that we've listened to for 50 or 60 years. And we turn to folks like Mel Torme and uh, Ella Fitzgerald and Frank Sinatra to sing us Christmas tunes. I mean, uh, Bing Crosby still has a number one hit on his hands uh, thanks to Christmas time. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. I love that timelessness of this. You know, it's, it's nostalgia. And then we have the remakes, you know, people who cover cover songs now they're covering songs that were new a long time ago so it's amazing when are you guys going to do a christmas album i mean elaine you can play your trombone and and you can play your trumpet uh mr potter and mr lavender you can direct i mean you get kim to sing some stuff we, we gotta get this happening here we'll uh we'll take take it under advisement as you say <laughs> but i i did want to say um scott's got a friend in pittsburgh who used to be on maynard's band and mm. um he was a very sax player. Like tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. done it. Uh, it's called Merry Christmas, John Coltrane. Mm-hmm. The tune is based on Deck the Halls, but the changes, the chord changes are based on giant, giant steps. <laughs> oh, wow. And it's got uh, a really interesting solely with the t- trumpet and tenor. I was happy to, to call Scott and said, uh, I think this should be on the solo parts. Two different tenor <laughs> sax should have parts. tenor solos. <laughs> because... Uh, I'm not trying to play on giant steps, so uh, but it's a really cool tune. And you can do the nice. Circle of Fifths Christmas, something yeah. like that. Yeah. We, we could, yeah. So, but we've got about six or seven new, uh, maybe more than that, actually eight or nine new charts we we yeah, purchased for this concert, and yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. I yeah. was a huge Maynard Ferguson fan when I was mm-hmm. in high school. That was mm-hmm. around the time of his real, you know, his flourishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are your trumpet heroes, <laughs> Scott? Oh, boy. Too many to rem- uh, to to mention here, but Chet Baker was always one of my mm-hmm. favorites, and Clifford yeah. Brown, Miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I, lo- I always loved going to see Maynard, but I could never play in the stratosphere like he could. But he was a fantastic player, and there were yeah. just just so many. Uh, Lee Morgan was one of my mm-hmm. absolute favorites. I still listen to him um, yeah. when I'm out working in my wood shop. You know. Is there like a tradition of, uh, in the way there is in classical music, I mean, obviously in jazz for performers, um, but I'm wondering, like, conductor performers or composer performers, mm-hmm. you know, can you talk a little bit about that that legacy? Well, I think, uh, and uh, maybe uh, I'll see, maybe Scott, you agree with me, is that uh, in, the, in the band, usually the person who leads the band is, you know, comes from the band. Like, you come mm-hmm. from the band world. Like, you, you are a musician that... Uh, Usually you have your horn not very far from you, yeah. and you play a little bit here and there. You play on the piano, like, you know, Count Basie played, uh, well, sometimes played three notes, but I mean, <laughs> the most important ones. But, you know, same thing with Mannard, he played. It's the same thing with Winton, same thing. So, uh, Duke is the same thing. Is you? There's a lot of writing involved, and there's a lot of, uh, the, the leadership comes more from doing than talking than saying, and it's really uh, about l- it, it's not led like a symphony orchestra. Of course, as a symphony orchestra, a conductor, I mean, we, we all play an instrument, but it's, uh, 
it's rare that 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 it's somebody that's really like that close to the band itself, mm-hmm. like, like it could play an instrument, but not having played around. Like the, when I started working with the Toledo Jazz Orchestra, before that I actually went to play with them. I played a concert where I was a feature in, in the band, and that it really comes from the inside. That's uh, yeah. I, well, the, of good luck here in the the Toledo Symphony. That also comes from the inside because I play an orchestra uh, orchestral instrument, trombone is both and both orchestras. But uh, it's it has a lot to do with joining the band and the, inspiring the, the the players by the way you play as well, which is not something that you do that much with symphony orchestra. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because I wonder about the differences between the mm-hmm. the two worlds. But mm-hmm. you seem to bridge the gap with your philosophy. Maybe I, I don't know. I mean, I see them totally as two different things. I have to, yeah. I, I agree with you on that. I, I, the, one of the words I cannot, uh, I, I really don't like is. Is cr- this a minced oath or? Is the word crossover. Oh, yeah. Because it's like crossover. you're a little bit bad at both. <laughs> that's, that's what I think. But you know, you, if you're, if you're a jazz player, you're a jazz player. And the jazz world is like, you, you have to pay your dues on, on both, both sides. If you, you know, it's, it's okay. You can be inspired to, do a lot of classical music and jazz music, like like when Wintermar says, for example. Yeah. But he paid his dues on both sides. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he practiced and he also has the knowledge on the classical side. And he, it's also to have a feel for it, because if it, it shows, especially on the jazz side, if you don't swing, you know, but you have the knowledge, but you don't swing, it's not going to go anywhere, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Zach, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the experience of seeing all this unfold? I mean, obviously, you were a catalyst for this event, but how has it been for you seeing uh, mm. TJO come into the, the Tapa family? That's a good question. Um, I I love jazz. And, you know, when my parents would encourage me to listen to their records, I would always take Tchaikovsky upstairs, but I also take Oscar Peterson upstairs. And, and there was something about holding those LPs under your little arms, you know, and going up the stairs. With, but it, you know, just seeing this come together, it, this makes so much sense to me. And I'm happy to see that it's making so much sense to our community as well. Yeah. And just hearing the amount of enthusiasm at Alain, your first concert back in November, and the number of people who were in the audience who had not heard the jazz orchestra before, going back to Scott's comment, Scott number two. Um, <laughs> You know, this is this is how we really. The bring... scouts are over there trying to figure out who is one and who is two. <laughs> I'm just going by your assignment here, Brad. Yeah. But you know, this if if our if our vision is to bring people together in this community through the arts, then this is how we do it, and we can do it through classical music, we can do it through dance, we can do it through jazz, and and the genres matter. But we know that everything's not going to appeal to everybody, right. but some things will appeal to many people, and. You know, we're just we're, we're we're bringing people together, and that makes me really, really pleased. And the more we can do to shine the light on one of Toledo's great gems, the jazz orchestra, the better. So, you know, I I send a ton of gratitude to Scott Potter for sharing the legacy and allowing us to 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 work with them and and to you know move things along as as much as you have. You've placed an enormous amount of trust in us. Thanks for that. And I'm, I'm real pleased with how things are going, and I think it's going to be uh, great for the community. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get a few people who go to the jazz concerts that that would go go to the symphony concerts mm-hmm. maybe that for the first time, yeah. you know, have an experience with that. You'd love exactly. to see people, like you said, going, going both yeah. ways. I mean, that would, yeah. that would be fantastic. It's I like, can't uh, tell you how many jazz musicians I know who'd, 
you know, they 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 can't wouldn't ever think of going to a symphony concert. Yeah. Well, why not? What mm-hmm. like only a couple of different kinds of music. There's sure. good music and there's bad music. Yeah, right? thank you, mm-hmm. Duke Ellington. Ellington. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, geez, why wouldn't you go hear the best that that mm-hmm. human beings have to offer orally? You know, and you know? exploring music is such a wonderful concept. I mean, I'm not talking about the radio program that airs on <laughs> WGTE, um, but but you know, folks are going to walk into the Peristyle for the first time and want to come back. And whether they hear Ravel or they hear Ellington, I don't really care as long as they're coming back and experiencing the arts. Yeah, yeah. right. Engaging with the uh, the the offerings that you yeah. have. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about the um, like the conductor or the director. Really, it's more of an artistic director, I think, in the jazz mm-hmm. idiom mm-hmm. than the conductor. But um, I found it real interesting to work with Elaine for the first time because he, especially as an instrumentalist, was able to sing what he wanted to do and, and artic- you know, making it more like a breath, fatter attack, you know, and, and really was very clear as to how he wanted it. Um, and everybody that I spoke with in the band, including a few that I didn't expect to hear positive uh, feedback from, just loved it. And the pace of rehearsal was just like this. Yeah. No, no room for guys to, you know, yak. <laughs> this is where we uh, insert your uh, minced oath here. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. S- S- Scott Lavender too is just, you know, they they both have uh, incredible ears. And I don't mean to look at. I'm talking about <laughs> to listen to. Can't see them now because you got uh, headphones on. Yeah. It was either in 1974 or 1975 when we were in college. Uh, I think the r- record was called The Raven. It's Woody Herman, mm-hmm. Big Ben. Mm-hmm. And Scott, when they had days of records, when they couldn't slow things down and pause, mm-hmm. took La Fiesta and Giant Steps off the record so the lab band could play them. Mm-hmm. And then Elaine... Uh, the first rehearsal, I hear him sing back in solfege one of the inner saxophone parts the way he wanted it. I'm thinking, oh my god, <laughs> show off in a good way, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I said I shouldn't way. be. I shouldn't be in this room. <laughs> I do love the way you solfege. It's amazing, uh, oh, and yeah. it's 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 like you're speaking another language. It's so I say you a... speak French, English, you know, German, Spanish, whatever, and solfege. Yeah. Whatever can make it clear, <laughs> you know. Like yeah, you yeah. don't waste any time if you can just articulate it right away and people yeah. understand right away and then you move on to the next thing. Now translate yeah. that into soulfish for us. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So before we go, um, I, I, just tell us a little bit of what is on the concert, like some of the repertoire. We're going to hear some of the Christmas favorites or? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, in unique settings, uh, there's a Jingle Bells arrangement that, was arranged by John Clayton for Diana Krall. Kim will be singing that. Mm. Uh, she's also singing uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we're what's that, doing, what's that John Williams pardon me? chart that you Oh, put yeah. The, that Gordon from? Goodwin wrote a chart on um, Somewhere in My Memory, which is a beautiful from little Home tune. Alone, yeah. Home Alone. Home yeah. Alone. Oh, is that where um, This is a, it's a more, it's a, he doesn't do it like a ballad. It's, it's an upbeat kind of huh. really interesting treatment. Yeah. Um, we have your chart. We need a little Christmas. We need a little Christmas, which Scott's been complaining about for, for a over year. a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great, you, Scott, Scott. Just <laughs> because there happen to be some high trumpet parts. Big yeah. deal. Yeah. Sounds like you need a little Christmas. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> when I when my mother was mad at me, she would make my dinner and and 
toss it in front of me and say, there, I hope you choke on it. Yeah. Right. Oh, nice. You do the oh, same thing. But... <laughs> I would never say that out loud to the band. You know? Yeah. To me, it's a different story. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. We look forward to that. And this yeah. is not the kind of, you know, when people hear jazz, they, they think of a lot of different things because there's lots of different kinds of jazz in the in the world. Uh, what kind of jazz is the, the specialty of the TJO, would you say? Good jazz. <laughs> I don't Good know. How, uh, Scott, how I'd, I'd say it's very very accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, we've got good soloists in the band, mm-hmm. but it's not extended solos, a lot of ensemble playing. Mm-hmm. Um, the very few Ornette Coleman tunes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You get a little, you get a little uh, get jazzed outside. up once in a while. From yeah. uh, fr- from the point of view of, uh, I'm not an outsider anymore, but almost because I've only, you know, we've only performed together twice. For me, it's there's a lot of soul in the orchestra, mm. you know, and and the the way they play, and uh, there's a kind of a willingness to swing hard. I like that. Yeah. It's a hard swing. That's uh, we. That's we like kind a of, title for a yeah. new concert you you have to put together. <laughs> Hard yeah. swing, <laughs> but it's uh, no. There, there's something. I mean, Sounds you like know, a playground implement. <laughs> Would you like the hard swing or the soft swing? Sorry, Elaine. Please, please carry on. So yeah, so not being from from America, uh, coming here and playing the American music with that American jazz band is is uh, quite an experience. Very different than when you play in Europe or when you play in Canada. Even we have a fantastic jazz player in, in Canada, but there's something about this music being the tradition of this country mm. that that people play very naturally. And there's uh, there's a lot of things you don't need to talk about. It's like when you play Viennese waltz in Vienna. You know, you don't need to actually sit down and, you know, be intricate about it and take it apart and say, we, okay, we're going to do the yeah. second beat a little bit earlier, that kind of thing. Here, it's the same thing. I mean, there's the, the, the weight swing is kind of, uh, intersect, uh, in the people. Yeah. That's so interesting. Well, folks can, uh, listen to everything we've been talking about at this concert. It's Saturday, December 17th, 8 o'clock p.m. at the Toledo Museum of Art Paris Style. Uh, Scott Lavender is conducting. Scott uh, Potter is playing trumpet in the orchestra. We'll also hear from vocalist Kim Bueller and the Toledo Jazz Orchestra. You can find uh, tickets at toledosymphony.com or toledojazz.org. And you can call at the box office, right? That's at 419-246-8000. So it's a, a wonderful opportunity for folks who love the orchestra to come see it and folks who perhaps haven't you know, partaken in, in what you guys have to offer yet. We hope that they will come as well. I want to thank the both of you. Both of you, Scots, you've been great. Uh, to come great and join Scots. us, yeah, great Scots. <laughs> Thank you. Join us for the podcast and today we really appreciate that. Brad, can I ask which Scott was greater, Scott or Scott? <laughs> oh, yeah, Scott. <laughs> yeah, okay, I, I, got yeah, it. totally, totally. I get that. <laughs> there we go. That was the I, only time that was. I'd have to vote for Scott Potter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, great, Scott. Whom do you vote for? Isn't that nice? You know who gets my vote? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Emmett Brown. <laughs> Emmett Brown. Okay. <laughs> this program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. You can download episodes as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org lab. 
You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts. Don't forget to check out all the upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website at ToledoSymphony.com and their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find the TSO streaming platform online at stream.artstoledo.com. My thanks to Elaine Trudell, Zach Vasser, and to our special guests, Scott Potter and Scott Lavender. I'm Brad Cresswell. You've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab from FM 91.